Welcome to CoinStack, our podcast and newsletter on Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polkadot, DeFi, Blockchain, Web 3.0, and the future of money. Let's get started. Peer is a Web3 social network and blockchain technology company founded by Tony Tran to develop consumer-focused blockchain software, hardware, and services for Web3, the next evolution of the internet. Peer is headquartered in Seattle, Washington. To learn more, visit peer.inc and follow at PeerPMC on Twitter. CoinStack is sponsored by FTX. FTX is the safe, regulated way to buy and sell Bitcoin and other digital assets. Trade crypto with up to 85% lower fees than top competitors. FTX US is also the only leading exchange that supports both Ethereum and Solana NFTs. You can trade NFTs with no gas on FTX US and gas subsidized when you withdraw off the platform. Check out FTX US today or download the FTX app for Android and iOS. Welcome back to CoinStack, your favorite weekly podcast for institutional crypto investors. In this episode, we'll be covering the top news and stats for the week, giving an update on the Ethereum merge to proof of stake coming up for September. And we'll share an update on the Three Arrows Capital Celsius fallout and discuss whether we think the crypto bottom is in for 2022 or if it's just a dead cat bounce, a trading term for a fake out or a fake recovery. I'll turn it over to Mike, who's going to cover some prices. Today is Friday, July 21st, 2022, and Bitcoin is trading at 23000 as well as the ETH trading at 1585 So... This is Ryan here again, looking at the prices since the June 18th bottom. We've seen Ethereum and its native token Ether increase 73%, while Bitcoin has only increased 33%. Ethereum is leading the way right now against Bitcoin due to the ETH merge that has recently been scheduled for September 19th. We're really looking forward to that. And a lot of people are executing the ETH merge trade right now, betting that the price of Ether is going to rise as the upcoming supply of Ether goes down. Of course, once we move to proof of stake, the annual issuance of Ether is likely to be negative as all the issuance that was going to the miners will soon be going to the validators, but at a much lower level, reducing the total supply. Now let's cover the top 10 news stories of the week and what it week it was might take us away. All right, let's get going with our top stories of the week. And it was a big one. Celsius is facing heat for a $1.2 billion balance sheet hole. Customers owed $4.7 billion. As of July 13th, the company had 5.5 billion total liabilities and 4.3 billion in assets. According to a declaration made by CEO Alex Mashinsky in a bankruptcy court filing. You know, Mike, I wanted to talk about this. Uh, obviously, Celsius has been all over the news the last four to six weeks or so. Um, they've really uh, caused a lot of problems in the industry. To be able to manage your crypto lending business that is promoted as an alternative to a bank, uh, but then to not keep depositors' deposits safe is really just not the right way to innovate in the crypto space. Now, of course, Celsius is a centralized finance institution. It's not a DeFi platform. Other platforms that are decentralized finance platforms like Aave, Compound, and Maker have all done well and have actually 
not had any problems during this crisis, whereas centralized finance institutions like Celsius and Voyager have. In Celsius's bankruptcy filing a few days ago, uh, they put forward an asset snapshot that talked about uh, what happened between the end of Q1 on March 30th of this year uh, and then July 14th of 2022, just a week ago. Their total assets declined about 80% in three and a half months from 22 billion to 4 billion. And their liabilities declined as well from 22 billion to 5.5 billion. But the problem is, is now their liabilities are $1.2 billion greater than their assets. What does that mean? Well, if you're a Celsius holder, uh, in terms of what I would expect, it's probably going to be about 18 to 36 months before you get your capital back, before you get your crypto back, and you're going to get a haircut. You know, just looking at their assets here, you'll probably get 60, 70 cents on the dollar of what you put in. You could also choose their long crypto plan and choose to just hold crypto and maybe someday make it back if the market recovers. Uh, let's go back to Mike for more news. Crypto lenders lent more than $3.5 billion to 3AC. The largest lender, Genesis, owned by Digital Currency Group, also known as DCG, lent $2.4 billion to collapse hedge fund Three Arrows Capital. Fortunately, this was partially collateralized. So Genesis' losses are estimated at around $1.1 billion and have been fully covered by the stronger DCG balance sheet. What do you think about that, Ryan? Well, I think it's good that Barry Silber and the folks at Digital Currency Group uh, covered their subsidiary losses through Genesis. They've put out statements saying the DCG balance sheet is strong. And frankly, you have to have a strong balance sheet to be able to, to, to take on a $2.4 billion loss uh, and not worry about it. Now, yes, it was partially collateralized, but they still have a claim against Three Hours Capital for $1.1 billion, which means that DCG just took on a $1.1 billion loss. And for them, it's no problem. So DCG has got to be doing... Uh, pretty well, not as well as they were doing a few months ago, um, but it's good to see that the DCG Grayscale group is still strong. You know, when you add up the total Three Arrows Capital loan book at the time of their bankruptcy filing a couple of weeks ago, we get to $3.5 billion in total loans across about 40 to 50 different lenders. Now, this begs the question, how did 3AC get lent so much money? And were these lenders even aware of each other? Mike, what's great about smart contracts is that everything's transparent on the blockchain. You can see who owes who, what money. Here, we're going back to the world of centralized finance, opaque, non-transparent hedge funds, where there are backroom deals and contracts that are stored in DocuSign or in filing cabinets, where there are collateral that are posted to um, different lenders uh, multiple times. Now that really needs to be looked at. And with smart contracts, you can't post the same Ethereum collateral twice to, this, to two different Aave loans. Uh, it's sort of um, a much better system that we're moving to with DeFi. And that's why while some are saying this is a crypto breakdown, this is actually a breakdown of centralized finance. It's the same thing. It's just rehypothecation and over leverage uh, that has been hitting the Wall Street world for the last 50 years. Now we're moving into a new world with DeFi where you can't over-rehypothecate and you have to have over-collateralization. Let's go back to you, Mike, for the rest of the news. Yeah, of course. Great insight. All right, next up, we got Near partners with BitGo as it enters world of institutional investing. Digital asset company BitGo will support the Near Foundation protocol and its assets 
with qualified custody services. Institutions holding near tokens will be able to custody and stake them via hot and qualified custody wallets on BitGo. Next up, we got Dubai's metaverse strategy plans to add 4 billion to the economy by 2027. Dubai's Crown Prince, Hamadab bin Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, announced on Monday that the Emirate would look to use the metaverse to create 40,000 virtual jobs and add 4 billion to its economy over the next five years. Next up, we have US Representative Brad Sherman urges SEC to go after crypto exchanges that trade in XRP. The division has determined that XRP is a security and is going after XRP, but has not gone after the exchanges where tens of thousands of illegal security transactions were occurring. Of course, there's still an active pursuit and Ripple may yet prevail. Ryan, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think it's important to just give some background on this. Uh, about uh, six months ago, uh, the SEC sued Ripple, uh, the US-based company, which is the creator of the XRP tokens. Uh, Ripple is competing against Western Union and MoneyGram and Visa and some of the international money transfer businesses out there. And I think a lot of the criticism really falls on the Securities and Exchange Commission here for choosing to provide unclear regulations and then to regulate through registration, through legislation, through uh, people suing each other, as opposed to putting out clear guidelines. Um, and I think really what we need to ask for from the Securities and Exchange Commission is clear guidelines as to what's a security and what's a commodity. And fortunately, what I see happening right now is the RFIA, the Responsible Financial Innovation Act, that is the Loomis and Gilliband bill, that is coming forward to actually define and clarify which types of tokens are securities and which type of tokens are commodities. And actually, most tokens, it looks like, are going to be regulated soon by the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, and that we can move away from the SEC regulating digital tokens. You know, I, I do think that there is also some distinction between what Ripple is doing with XRP versus what Ethereum has done with Ether or ETH token. Uh, obviously, Ripple is a centralized for-profit company with substantial control over XRP, while Ethereum instead chose to be a not-for-profit foundation that is fully decentralized. So I do think there's some interesting uh, case law that's going to be developed over the next year in this case. Mike, back to you. All right. Next up, we have CFTC cracks down on crypto's pump and dump schemes. A New York judge ordered Jimmy Gale Watson Jr., an associate of the late John McPhee, to pay $144,736 in ill-gotten gains. He literally received more from that scheme. Crypto.com secures regulatory license in Italy. Digital asset exchange Crypto.com has received approval from Italian regulators to offer services in the Mediterranean country. A move the company says aligns with its vision of building lasting growth in the region. Then we have NFT Worlds, a top metaverse platform, blindsided by Minecraft's announcement that it won't be supporting Web3 tech. Minecraft announces it won't be supporting NFTs or blockchain technology inside its app, opting for a closed world. Perhaps a better idea for Minecraft would be to support and encouraging NFT worlds or even attempt to acquire them. Ryan, what do you think? Well, NFT Worlds came up recently in my research that I was doing on a Web3 Metaverse uh, webinar that I hosted a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I actually found out that NFT Worlds was one of the top five metaverses by land sales so far. 
And I, th I think that's interesting that it's up there in the top five. And it's the one that has been integrated with Minecraft, which is, of course, owned by Microsoft and Mojang. And I think a better strategy for Microsoft or for Mojang would be to actually embrace the future, actually embrace NFTs, embrace blockchain blockchain technology, instead of trying to create a closed virtual system, to actually create an open system, a true metaverse. I think that's where the future is going. So if anything, maybe they support NFT worlds, give them a grant, um, maybe acquire their team and give them great salaries and have them build, uh, but don't block them. I really think that's the worst thing they could possibly do. Mike, back to you. Awesome. Next, we have Coinbase announces no exposure to UST, 3AC, Celsius, or Voyager. The leading U.S. crypto exchange, Coinbase, announced it had a good risk management in place and thankfully has no exposure to 2022's three horsemen of the apocalypse, Terra, 3AC, and Celsius. Ryan, I know you got a thought about this one. Well, I just think it shows that Coinbase uh, is a professionally managed company. Obviously, it's one of the few uh, crypto exchanges to be publicly traded in the U.S., uh, Voyager was publicly traded, uh, but it was publicly traded in uh, Canada, uh, which doesn't have the same type of quality listing requirements that the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ does. Um, and so I think it's been it's interesting to see that Coinbase has done its job. Um, there were some rumors, early false rumors coming out that maybe Coinbase had some balance sheet holes or had some further exposure here. It was really great of them this week to clarify that, nope, they're good. Um, and it helped, you know, that's where I personally keep a lot of my crypto, that at least the crypto I have on exchanges. And so I, I'm just grateful that uh, they've done a great job protecting it. Back great. to you, Mike. Awesome. Putin signs bill outlawing crypto payments in Russia. Russian President Vladimir Putin signed a bill on Thursday amending the country's existing ban on cryptocurrency payments to specify additional types of tokens. The amendment submitted by Anatoly Askovov, a member of the Russian state Dulam, on June 7th will prohibit the use of any security tokens, utility tokens, and non-fungible tokens, also known as NFTs, as forms of payment for goods and services in the country. That's your top 10 news of the week. Ryan, what do you think about this tweet of the week we have here? Yeah, let me talk about the tweet of the week, which covers the ETH merge date proposed for September 19th. Superfizz.eth on Twitter says, this merge timeline isn't final, but it's extremely exciting to see it coming together. Please regard this as a planning timeline and look out for official announcements. What they're planning on doing is having the Gorley merge on August 11th. That's the last testnet. Uh, and then to merge about six weeks later, September 19th, into the full Ethereum mainnet. He was saying this could be more aggressive in places, um, but it really is subject to making sure the Gorley merge on August 11th goes well. So I will expect that if that August 11th Gorley merge goes well, we could see another run up for Ethereum into the 2000s. Uh, I think that's really exciting. You know, the ETH merge to proof of stake will substantially reduce the amount of ETH issuance from about 4.3% per year to about 1% per year. But then, of course, we're going to be burning uh, Ether from every transaction going back to last September's EIP-1559 proposal that's already happening. What that's going to do is create a negative annual issuance. And what that's going to do is act like a Bitcoin halving. It's going to reduce daily sell pressure for miners. It's actually going to eliminate sell pressure for miners because there won't be any miners anymore. And it has the environmentally friendly aspect of reducing electricity usage 
by 99.95%. Many attribute crypto's big price rise in July with Ethereum up 73% for the month to the combination of the dust settling finally after Terra 3AC and Celsius and there now being a specific date for the merge of September 19th. Personally, I think the bear market will probably continue another year or so as we get into preparing for better macro conditions, maybe 18 months from now, and also the Bitcoin halving of April 2024. So I do think we have a little bit more of a bear market to go, but this ETH merge rally does seem to have some legs and could accelerate after August's Gorley merge. So that is what I think about that. Now, Mike, can you talk about our big fundraises that we've seen this week? Absolutely. Weekly crypto fundraises and deals. First one up, we have Fiverr in an L1 blockchain raises 100 million in Series A funding from Sram and Maram. Number two, Halborn, a blockchain security firm, raises $90 million in a Series A led by Summit Partners. Then we have ZBD, a payment platform for virtual worlds, raises $35 million Series B from Square Enix. For those of you who are fans of Final Fantasy, they are the developers, so that's super exciting. Travel Coin, also known as T-Coin, a crypto rewards ecosystem, raises $35 million commitment from GM, GEM Digital Limited. Then Meow, a corporate treasury yield company, raises $22 million Series A led by Tiger Global. Brian, what do you want to talk about when it comes to the definition of the metaverse? Well, actually, I want to comment on a couple of those fundraisers. I just think it's hilarious that people think we're in a terrible market right now. And yes, Bitcoin's still off 50% for the year, but we're still in a funding environment on the institutional funding side where a L1 blockchain that I've never heard about called FiveIR uh, can raise $100 million in Series A from a venture capital fund that I've never heard about called Sharam and Maram. Now, um, who the heck is Sharam and Maram and who the heck is FiveIR? I've, I've been working in, in this crypto space for the last two years full time. Uh, I've been working in venture capital fundraising for 15 years and I've never heard of these people. Uh, then you look at Zebedee, never heard of that, never heard of Square Enix. And so there's a lot of money out there from venture funds that frankly are under the radar. And it's great to see that a lot of the big firms and even the smaller firms that raised funds in the fall and the spring are now deploying capital. And that's gonna potentially benefit them as they go into the next bull market of 2024 and 2025. Now I wanna to go to the last section for today. I wanna to talk about the vitamin of the week. Now we are our friends at the Web3 blog, Vitamin3, have launched a free daily SMS covering Web3 topics. They're not paying us anything to, to do this, but you can subscribe for free by sending the word hello to the number 305-614-9440. And you get a daily SMS about Web3. And I actually subscribe to it and think it's really cool. And they've allowed us to share one of their weekly excerpts. And so today we're gonna to talk about the definition of a metaverse. So let's talk about the buzzword of the year, the buzzword of 2022, metaverse. What is a metaverse? No one really knows, but it's provocative. It gets the people and it gets the hype and investor funding going. Facebook rebranded into meta as it leans into its virtual reality work recently. And many use this word metaverse to describe any virtual world or digital experience. Uh, we like a much tighter definition though offered by Tim Sweeney, the founder of Fortnite, one of the leading creators of metaverses out there. 
Tim offers this definition of the metaverse. He says, quote, metaverse is a real-time, three-dimensional social medium where people can create and engage in shared experience as equal participants in an open economy with societal impact. In a way, it's a successor of the internet as we know it today, as the metaverse interconnects physical, digital, and virtual worlds into a single interaction sphere and layers an economic monetization engine on top of it. Now that is a definition. Every part of this definition matters. Real time means it's live and persistent, unlike video games that are only on when you're playing. User creation means users act as active creators rather than passive consumers. They can make cloaks, they can make parts of the actual world, they can make weapons or accessories. A shared experience means that it's social and community oriented with a global multiplayer mode. An open economy means that users are free to monetize their creations. They could create their own game level, their own world, their own accessories, and then trade them and sell them. And lastly, societal impact. A true metaverse has societal scale. It's not just one company offering. It's something that has to be interoperable and allow multiple people to build on it. That's why Minecraft's decision to ban NFTs and blockchains is so surprising and frankly stuck in the 20th century. Uh, if they really wanted to um, provide a growing opportunity for Minecraft, they would open their platform to allow anyone to build in it. I think that is the future. So that is our vitamin three of the week. That is all that we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on our July 21st episode of CoinStack. I hope everyone is staying safe out there, enjoying the summer, and I hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Take care, everybody. Bye, guys. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to the CoinStack podcast, where we are tracking the most important blockchain stories of the 2020s, including a decentralized internet and the creation of a new open global monetary system that works for everyone. We're so happy to have you as a listener. Please share it with your friends. Please join our free newsletter at coinstack.substack.com. And also check out our Telegram group where you can chat with others and learn even more about crypto. You can go to t.me slash the coinstack or just type in coinstack into Telegram to find us. Thanks so much. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.